Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome. This is Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Act channel. I'm Adam Best here with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. Sterling, what's going on, my man? Dude, how are you? Things are good, man. It's a beautiful day here in Kansas City. I cannot complain. Wouldn't mind a little bit of rain. I'm tired of watering the mums, okay? I'm trying to bring joy to everyone in my neighborhood. I bought a whole bunch of flowers, okay? Sue me. I don't have a great green thumb, though, so I need some natural resources to help me out here. I'm trying to keep these bad boys alive. You're basically Mahomes with his receivers. You you just need a little bit more help to make the garden really flourish. Give me a little help here. That's all I'm saying. That's all you're saying. So we've got a packed show for you guys today. Uh, A great guest who will help us get to know the Minnesota Vikings better this this week's opponents. Fun fact, that's the only team, other than the Chiefs, of course, that Mahomes hasn't defeated. I believe he's never played them. So, so uh, because the one time in the recent history that the Vikings and Chiefs have played, that was a Matt Moore game mm. when, when he hurt his knee and Damian Williams had the long run. So that was that was why he, that hasn't happened yet. But this week, he's going to get his 31st victim excited about it. We'll also discuss a big potential trade. Then Sterling and I will play a game of the Kansas City stock market. But before we get into all that fun stuff... A little bit of business. Everyone at DraftKings is running a new promotion that you do not want to miss. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. You will also be rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is sign up with our code Arrowhead. Using our code Arrowhead not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use our code Arrowhead to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Man, we kind of look like Twinkies right now. Why Why same, Twinkies? Same shirt color. You know, like Twinkies. Why'd you copy me, dude? You could have said Twins, they, dude. You don't have to say Twinkies. I, like, I was thinking Little Debbie's Snack Cakes over here. That's one of my dog's nicknames. She's got this white patch that as she grows more and more, she's a golden doodle, and it just keeps coming in more and more and more. So we've been calling her the Twinkie. Let's get to our guest. Here to brief us on the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, gotta love the gates. It's Adam Patrick from the Viking Age. Adam. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Uh, speaking of the Twinkies, the Twins snapped the, uh, what, 18-game playoff losing streak yesterday. So uh, a lot of happy uh, Minnesota fans yesterday in the uh, Twin Cities. Congrats on that. How are you feeling about the season so far? Uh, well. <laughs> we, we have to ask. I'm sorry, man. You know, I think a lot of people after last year's 13-win uh, season, 
expectations were a little higher than they probably should have been this year. But uh, we we all knew that regression was probably coming. Um, we probably didn't expect an zero and three start, but you know they've had a tough schedule so far. You look back at the the guys, the, the teams they've faced so far. It didn't seem tough at first, but the Bucks they're three and one right now. Um, the Chargers improved to two and two. You know, say what you want about the Chargers. I know you guys are big fans of them. And then the Eagles, they're four and zero. So it's looking like well, and then they played the Panthers, who are zero and four, but they won that game. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm talking about their three losses, which which look you know against pretty tough teams, and they only lost those games by uh, one possession. So you know we'll get a little more, bit more into it. Last year they were a a bad good team, and I think this year the they're they're a good bad team. So yeah, we'll see. Long season to go. Just ask Justin Jefferson; he got mad about it last week, but. Uh, Long season. Well, that's basically we're going to start off on our questions. We have six of them for you, so let's crack open that six-pack. As you said, last year the Vikings had one of the best records in the league. This year they have one of the worst records. You kind of answered this already, but I want to dig in deeper. Is this a playoff team, a rebuilding team, or somewhere in between? Well, they uh, their general manager, Quisito Fomenza, he likes to describe it their process as a competitive rebuild. So they, they want to remain competitive, but also, you know, kind of, I guess, try and rebuild their roster at the same time. So they, this this year they had the departures of what Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, Dalvin Cook, Patrick Peterson. You see the names and you're like, oh, wow. Zadarius Smith, right? Yeah, and Zadarius Smith. You're like, those are huge. Contri- Dalvin Tomlinson as well. Those are huge contributors. You're like, how, how are they going to recover? And then you look at, you know, what they did last year and, and their progression of their career. Those guys... They weren't playing that well. Um, so the Vikings moved on. You look at what Dalvin Cook's not doing with the Jets this year. He's struggling. Eric Kendricks has been pretty he's been hurt and struggling with the Chargers. Patrick Peterson not doing that great with the Steelers. Zadarius Smith's really like the only one who's been pretty solid for the Browns. And the Vikings wanted to bring him back. Um, but I think he just had his mindset on on leaving. He even sent he sent like a goodbye message before like months before he was even traded. So he just had a mindset that he was out of there anyways. But yeah, you look at like some of the the metrics, like the analytics and stuff, they grade well in PFF, like overall grades. They're they're up there. Uh, DVOA, I think they're doing pretty well overall as well. Um, it's just like the complete flip-flop of last year. So it's kind of it's kind of weird, which makes me think like starting 0-3 is, it feels like a death sentence for most teams. But like if there was going to be a team that could turn it around, I feel like this team has the pieces at the same time. Pretty much every game they've, they've shot themselves in the foot. I think they lead the league in like offensive turn- turnovers. And like if you turn the ball over three or four times a game, you're just not going to win no matter how well you play the rest of the way. So that has to end. It was a little better last week. They had that long pick six. If they do that against the Chiefs, uh, it's, that's game over. Yeah, like I said, last year they were a bad, good team. And this year I think they're a good, bad team. I'm hoping that they can just be a good, good team instead. But also, if they do poorly, this is a good year to do bad and get a high draft pick because Kirk Cousins in last year was contract and this this draft class looks like it's uh, full of nice quarterbacks. So, uh I'm not going to be sad if they play poorly either. So, yeah. Right. And I think it's important to be self-aware in the NFL. If you look at some other organizations like the Cardinals, like the Raiders, they thought they were much closer than they were. And they basically did catastrophic damage that will take Mm -hmm. years to repair. The Vikings are are not doing that. They know what their foundation is. They know where they are. So I, I definitely applaud that. I think you guys are on the right track with some good building blocks. 
I, I do think the Vikings were actually a pretty good team last year. They won every single close game. They probably shouldn't have won 13 games, but they were still, in my opinion, a 10-win team, even if maybe those one-score games go half and half. This year, it, I always say a regression to the mean, but it's been the complete opposite. It's been like a rubber band, right? It snapped so far the other way. I truly think the Vikings are a playoff team. The NFC is so poor. You know, once you get past the top three teams, the NFC really is wide open. I still have a lot of faith in the Vikings. And some of that comes from not Justin Jefferson, who everyone knows about, but TJ <laughs> Hawkinson. And then you also have rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison. What have those two guys specifically added? I know TJ Hawkinson was that midseason trade with Detroit. That was a little confusing, right? Because Detroit spent a high draft pick on him at tight end. Didn't seem like things were going well. They traded him. Detroit got better. But it looks like Minnesota also got better in that department as well. Yeah, um, that was a that was a big trade made by the Vikings last year. That really kind of you know they were off to a good start, but that really kind of turned their offense around because they were struggling. Uh, Justin Jefferson was being double covered, triple covered, and and Adam Thielen couldn't really just get open, so they needed another target. And T.J. Hawkinson came in right away and just became like a favorite target of Kirk Cousins. Like I think his first game, he had like nine catches uh, against the the Commanders, and that's like he got there a few days before that, and that was pretty insane this year his production has been a little a little slower last week he only had two catches but at the same time the vikings only passed the ball 19 times um they only ran 45 plays on offense so it wasn't like they didn't run a whole lot of plays but he's still been a a pretty good target for kirk cousins uh, especially on third down situations i think he's caught two touchdowns this year and then jordan addison's been uh he's 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 been interesting because Going into the season, people thought, oh, he could be like, he could be the number two. Easy. He can go in there. But I think we're starting to realize why he's not number two, because especially last week, um, his his blocking, not the greatest. He he almost got uh, Justin Jefferson killed on a screen last week. And then, uh, yeah, people weren't too happy about that. So it's, it's kind of easier to realize why he's not exactly the number two yet. I think by Thanksgiving, he will be, though. He's got, you know, great separation skills. It's just really good with the ball in his hands. He's got two touchdowns. Um, he's just another weapon that, that the Vikings can have, especially down the field. He's he's caught a bunch of passes down the field. So yeah, those are those are two additional weapons for the Vikings to have. KJ Osborne is also someone to to keep an eye on. He for some reason comes up in, in clutch situations. Kirk Cousins is always looking for him. I don't know why. Sometimes he drops the ball, but what sometimes he comes up with the with the play. So I'm happy with that. But um yeah, of course, Justin Jefferson, he's gonna be the main guy. And then um, Alexander Madison out of the backfield. They just got Cam Akers as well. Um, Josh Oliver, he's more of a blocking tight end. <laughs> the king of efficiency, Cam Akers and Alexander Madison. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so like, like you know how Alexander Madison, we have issues with his efficiency. What if we brought in the maybe third most inefficient running back yeah. in the NFL in Cam Akers? Well, they had Devin Cook too. Well, yeah, I think Najee Harris might take the cake though. I, I always say Najee Harris is incredible, but... Uh, at but least, they didn't you know. spend a high draft pick or throw a lot of money at the position, which is no. smart. You know, <laughs> if they would have re-signed Dalvin Cook to a large contract, that would have been a disaster. And they didn't. They didn't do that. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's move over to the other side of the ball. The Minnesota defense is 20th in DVOA and 17th in EPA. Not terrible, but not great. They've been blitzing a ton. And yeah. Patrick Mahomes is the guy that you don't blitz. He's, mm-hmm. he's blitzed way less than any other quarterback. How are they going to try to challenge Mahomes? Well, they're playing for, what, two weeks ago against the Chargers, against Justin Herbert. I believe they blitzed over 85% of the time. That completely backfired because I think he went off and he had over like 350 yards passing. And yeah, that was, it wasn't good. Um, and I would envision the same thing happening if, the, if they did that against the Chiefs. But last week against the Panthers, they only blitzed about 30 times and they came up with five sacks, 15 pressures. Uh, a strip sack and return for a fumble. And I think that's more of what they would like to do. Um, now, the difference was last week they had Marcus Davenport on the field, where they didn't really have the first three weeks. And they signed him in the offseason to be a replacement for Zadarius Smith. He can line up on the on the line or on the edge, and he made a big difference. He, I think he generated like three pressures on his own. So what they did last week is probably what they would like to do more than what they did against the Chargers. I think the <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to do that again, what they did against the Chargers, because Kevin O'Connell will put his foot down and be like, no, that's 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 not not going to work against Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, like what they did last week was good because Harrison Smith also had three sacks last week, and which was as much as he's ever had in his career in a single season. But yeah, and, and you talked about the numbers about they're, they're OK. That's all Vikings fans wanted from the defense this year to be OK, because last year they were just gashed every single week. Ed Donatel was playing like a fancy form of prevent defense every week and teams are just tearing them apart. Um, and Daniel Jones is very happy that he got to play uh, Ed Donatel twice last year and, and put up numbers. The Giants aren't happy right now, but Daniel Jones is happy because he got paid. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this defense, it's, it's still a work in progress. They're still trying to feel everything out with like Brian Flores and what's he, what he wants to do. But, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do against Patrick Mahomes too, because what they did against Justin Herbert, they, they can't do that again. Flores isn't a dumb guy. He, I think he's just trying to make, you know, as much as he can with this offense, with limited talent on that Mm -hmm. side of the ball. So I think he's done a good job. I also would think that Harrison Smith doing what he's doing at this age is pretty incredible because he was so good for so long. Mm-hmm. And then Vikings fans, I distinctly remember saying, what is this overpaid, aging, uh, <laughs> retirement home safety doing on the field? And now all of a sudden, I think kind of starting back up last year, started to turn it back around again. Feels like he's starting to revitalize his career at this age. I don't know what if, what if you have seen or what your feelings are in Harrison Smith, but I think it's pretty impressive how he kind of had that dip in production and now it's uh, springboarded back up again. Oh, it was Donatel. It was completely 
Donatel. He did not use Harrison Smith the way he's used to being used. Like when Mike Zimmer was there, he would have him kind of be like a floater around the line. He could blitz. He could pretend like he's going to blitz, quickly drop back into coverage. And that's more of what Flores has him doing this year, kind of more freelancing. They, they've had packages this year where they've had three safeties on the field, four safeties on the field. So like he's pretty much free to do whatever he wants. And that's his strength. Like if he can get up towards the line, make a run stop, you know, generate pressure. That's that's what he's done well his whole career. And for some reason, Ed Dantel was like, uh, no, you're just you're just going to play coverage. Um, but yeah, he had five interceptions last year, but, you know, that's because he was just in coverage every snap. Um, he also had Daniel Hunter in coverage on third down a bunch of times. So that tells you all you need to know about uh, his strategy. Yeah. So he's very happy to be in uh, Brian Flores defense. Uh, Tackle Christian Darius on the Vikings offensive line are looking pretty solid so far, both in pass and run blocking. Is this becoming a strength of the Vikings? Is this becoming one of the better units in the NFL? Uh, it's really weird because pretty much through Rick Spielman, their old GM's tenure, the offensive line was pretty much the problem every year. Like they they put a bunch of resources in it and it just for whatever reason, it, it didn't work. Um, whether that's the quarterback or the coaches or or the, the personnel, it just it didn't work. And the funny thing is uh, Rick Spielman drafted Christian Derrissaw. He drafted Brian O'Neill. He drafted Garrett Bradbury, who hasn't played yet this year, really. But yes, it looks much better than it has in the past. And and I think that's what the Vikings were going for. They brought all five starters back from last year. They looked at, you know, is is continuity best for offensive lines? And I think that's uh, been proven around the league. Like if you have the same five guys and they know each other's tendencies and stuff, it, it usually amounts to good things. You know, there's some weaknesses still on the interior. You have Ed Ingram, who's... I think he's pretty high up there in terms of pressures allowed again this year. He led the league in pressures allowed last year. Ezra Cleveland, he's he's okay. Garrett Bradbury has played, I believe, seven snaps this year. Um, so I'm curious to see if he plays on Sunday. He's had a back injury all year. His replacement, uh, Austin Slopeman, came over from the Broncos. Uh, he's been doing okay as well. I'm uh, just a little worried uh, with Chris Jones coming over. And uh, just destroying people, um, but he does that to everybody. So it's not like it's 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 not team specific. Um, but yeah, and then the thing with the offensive line too, as well, is Kirk Cousins. He's he's not the best. He doesn't have the best like pocket presence, pocket movement. He kind of lets pressure just kind of. He gets it like in the middle and kind of lets it suck him in. Where you see someone like a Mahomes or even a Herbert, like just kind of move a little bit out to the right, move a little bit out to the left. Cousins doesn't really do that. And uh, don't compare it to Mahomes, though. Mahomes is a sorcerer <laughs> in the in the pocket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, even someone like Russell Wilson, who just like sure. spins around back there and everything, like Cousins doesn't. He just like I I don't know for whatever reason he's he's never done that in his career, and it's 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 been a problem for him. So uh, he loves taking hard hits. I'm convinced. You know, you you, you saw that yeah. uh, the show quarterback dude gets mm-hmm. hit a lot, but also it's like maybe part of me is just sitting here going, I think he likes it just a little bit. He's a psycho. I mean, a ma- masochist, huh? Yeah, I'm. Mean, he's yeah. He's he's a weird dude. I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> so that could just be another quirk of his uh, weird personality, for sure. So we know the stars, but who are a few X factors from the roster that opposing fans might be sleeping on? Maybe give us a couple on, on both offense and defense. Well, I mentioned uh, Marcus Davenport. He he played last week and he made a, a big impact. Fans were actually kind of pissed at him. Uh, the first couple of weeks because they're like, you know, why do we sign this guy? He has, he's not even playing. From the Saints, correct? Yep, yep. 
Yep, a veteran pass rusher from the Saints. Uh, they signed him in free agency. Um, there's him. There's Ivan Pace Jr., who's an undrafted rookie linebacker. He's one of the top graded linebackers this year by PFF. Just like really good at uh, run stopping, just separating from blockers. He's he he had a great preseason training camp. Like he just stepped everything up and and. Brian Osamoa, who I think he was a third round pick for the Vikings last year, he was expected to be a starter. Ivan Pace came in and was like, no, you're you're not. So he's someone to watch. Uh, Josh Metellus, he's a kind of like a, he helps out on defense as a safety, uh, kind of a hybrid linebacker. He's good on special teams. Uh, they just signed him to an extension uh, right before the season. So he's someone that's been able to make plays as well. Of course, there's Daniil Hunter. Uh, who's also having himself a, a great season in terms of sacks and pressures on the offensive side of the ball. We made fun of Cam Makers, but he 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 came on pretty good last week. Last week was his his first uh, chance to play with the Vikings. He only had five carries, but he ran for forty yards. So that's that's a, that's in terms of efficiency, that's pretty good. Um, and then you know I mentioned KJ Osborne, um, and we talked about Jordan Addison. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then and, you know this guy Justin Jefferson, I think he's. He's pretty good, you know. His celebrations—you can say what you want about him, but you know he's 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 uh, he's off to a pretty good start in his career. He might get a big contract, just maybe if he's if he's extremely he lucky. Better, man. I don't even know why he's not paid yet. Like that's that's one of the people are mad about that. Like that's that could be one of the biggest mistakes because they they might have cost either cost themselves a bunch of money or given him an opportunity to be like, nah, I, I want to go somewhere else. So yeah. I would love to know your thoughts on Kirk Cousins being the guy in Minnesota, okay? Because he's perpetually been a a substitute, a hold-in. You know, no one ever knows what he is. And I feel like he's one of those guys where he's top 12 every year. You look at some of the more analytical sides, maybe he, he reaches the top 10. I think last year he was an incredible quarterback, just doesn't get the, the credit he deserves a lot of the time. He's not the flashiest guy. What do you make? You're around him. You watch him game in and game out. What do you think of Kirk Cousins? Is he the answer? Is he the quarterback? Let's say in how old is he? Let's say in four years, is he still the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings? Um, how much time do you guys got? You got what have we got? Like two hours? I can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kirk Cousins. Well, you guys, you know, you had Alex Smith, right? Like yeah. before before Mahomes. Yep. I would I would compare him to him. You know, he put up good numbers, won you some games. But when you needed him to step up and come through in big situations, it just didn't happen. And you can see it in certain moments, like against the Chargers uh, this year. They were driving to win the game. They got a first down like within in the red zone. There's 40 seconds to go on the clock. Everyone's like, okay, spike it, spike it, spike it. They don't spike it. And they, they call a play with 12, they let 30 seconds go off the clock. You know, they hike the ball 12 seconds. He throws a pick. And after the game, he's like, oh, the crowd was too loud or whatever. Or I couldn't hear the play call. And it's like, dude, you're 35 and you've been in the league for 12 years. Spike the ball. Like, you, <laughs> you should know what to do. And he just he has a bunch of situations like that where, like, after this win against the Panthers, he threw that pick six and they won the game. So you'd think he'd be happy. But no, after the game, like he was all mopey and everything and getting down on himself. And it's like, dude, you won. Like, it's OK. Like. He talked a couple of weeks ago about going back to the Bills game last year, which they won as well. And, you know, he had a call play on his own and it was fourth and one and they didn't get it. And then afterwards, was that crazy fumble on the goal line or whatever. And then they went on to win. He still talks about it like he gets in his own head and prevents him from probably reaching the potential that he has. But he's been that way his whole career. And if you're expecting him to change at 35, 12 years in the league, 
It's just, it's not going to happen. So right now the Vikings, you know, they're making do with what they got. He's been in a lot of trade rumors. If the Vikings struggle, I think they would like to trade him, but he has a no trade clause in his contract. So he can just veto everything, um, which I think he would, because he just likes to stay in Minnesota. And I don't think he'd want to pick up and move in the middle of a season. Um, Tremendous, tremendous businessman. He's made so much money in the NFL, but the production just hasn't been there. They signed him in 2018 to come in and be kind of that final piece to lead them to a Super Bowl because they went to the NFC Championship the year before. And he has one playoff win in six years. So, like, it's time to kind of cut bait. The quarterback class coming in is, is going to be better. You don't need to pay him any more money. You know what you got. I think he's done after the season in Minnesota. Do you think it's a fair criticism of him? Maybe comparing him to another veteran his same age that used to be in the same division, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford has a lot of warts, but he's got some arm talent. He's got some improvisational Mm -hmm. ability. Mm -hmm. He doesn't shrink as much when when the when things get tight. Maybe Kirk can't get a bucket when you need him to down the stretch the same way Matt Stafford can. Is that a fair criticism of of Kirk, you think? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think Matthew Stafford's a little better and he was had a little more bad luck because he was with the Lions, who are just a disaster in their own, you know, whatever. Um, but it's his fault for not getting out of there either. But you saw as soon as he went to the Rams, like, Sean McVay got the, the most out of him. I just, I don't know if that would happen if, like, Kirk Cousins went to the Rams or the Niners. He's so calculated, like, if one thing goes wrong, it just throws off his entire way of thinking and the world is over. Like, like I said, it doesn't matter if you win or anything. He's still going to dwell on things. Um, that's been a problem his whole career. Um, but, yeah, you compare him to Matthew Stafford, you know, Andy Dalton. Who Derek had, Carr. You know, oh, come on. He's better than Andy Dalton. Don't yeah, give me that. I agree. He's better than Derek Carr. I, I get it. I get it. You're, you're numbers, no, no, right. numbers wise. Yeah. Dak, but like Dak Prescott, we're in the same right. ballpark. Yeah. Like they're good, but they're, they're, they're just, that's it. 15 teams would crawl over broken glass to trade places with you is, is the thing that right. we don't recognize enough. I always say that it's one of those situations where they're just good enough to where you go. We're in quarterback purgatory. We're just good enough to where what happens if we draft someone and he completely flames out and now we're stuck in purgatory of never getting a good guy again. You're sitting there perpetually going 5-12 and 12 and you, you take these 10-plus win seasons for granted. I get it. The Chiefs were in that situation for 30 years. right? The Chiefs were there for so long. I see his angry drunken German says in the chat, the Vikes are the NFC Chiefs. right? You go 13-3, and three, it's a first-round playoff loss. Great regular seasons, but you don't have the guy to get over the hump in those big games. You get beat out by the Peyton Mannings, beat out by the Tom Brady's, the great franchise-altering quarterbacks. The um, Daniel Joneses. Very, very similar quarterback histories, except for Mahomes. Um, because, you know, yeah, the Chiefs, what you had. Elvis Gerback, Steve Bono, Joe Montana, Rich Gannon. Like, you look at the Vikings, too. Matt they Castle. Had, yeah, Warren Moon, Randall Cunningham. Dante Culpepper, Brad Johnson, like all these like retreads, Jeff George. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> forgot about Jeff George. Yeah, he was really good for the Vikings, actually. He only played there for one year, but he was he was really good. But yeah, like very similar quarterback history with the Vikings and Chiefs. And the Chiefs took a chance, traded up, got Mahomes, and the rest is history. So that's that's a lot of Vikings fans are like, just do what the Chiefs did. I'm like, 
it is so easier said than done. <laughs> Mahomes just, there aren't just a bunch of Mahomes just sitting there. Just, you know, Caleb Williams is supposed to be pretty good, but even him, it's like Mahomes is one of a kind. So like that's, and he landed in the perfect situation with Andy Reid. So you just have like, you just have the best, have to have the best situation. It's just, yeah, we're, all, we're, we're just dying over here. Okay. We're yeah. Here. Forever Mahomes. You could be the Bears and get Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Uh, or Justin Fields, <laughs> quite frankly. You get a Justin Fields, too. Go back to back. Uh, before we let you get out of here, what is your prediction for the game on Sunday? Give us a final score in your star of the game. You know, the Vikings usually win games that they're not supposed to and games that don't matter. So you look at the Bills game last year. Like, no one expected them to win. They won in overtime. Everyone's so excited that they beat the Bills. And I'm like, that's great. That's an AFC team. It has nothing to do with like their standing in the NFC or their division. It really, literally means nothing. So that's why I think the Vikings are going to win on Sunday, um, like 38-35. Like, it'll be close um, because, it's one, that's what the Vikings do. They never like to blow anyone out or lose by a lot. It'll be close, and then the Vikings play the Bears in the following week, and they will lose to the Bears. Um, that's just <laughs> That's just how things go. So... Yeah, I think it'll be a good game. I'm also worried because Jim Nance and uh, Tony Romo are the announced team and the Vikings, I believe, have been blown out pretty much every game that those guys have called or they've at least lost every game that those guys have called. So not looking forward to that either. I really just want a good game, like entertainment. That's all. That's all I want. Who would think the guy whose Twitter handle is straight cash homie wants to be entertained? By the way, that is one of the best Twitter handles I have seen Thank out you. here. Thank you. Hey, hey, Randy. How yeah. you gonna pay for that? Yeah, just just cash, just cash, straight cash. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being with us. Mm -hmm. Give him a follow. Be sure to check in with him during the game on Sunday. I'm sure we'll have you back on. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Good luck. You know, during that conversation, I just felt very fortunate that when Mahomes makes a mistake, he doesn't pout. He doesn't shit his pants. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't point fingers. He's got like short-term memory you know he just moves on it's a he closer it's a good closer yeah that i mean that's a he's got a shooter's mentality from basketball right you can miss 10 in a row but hey i'm, I'm gonna keep shooting i'm gonna make the next one so love uh, that's you that's you oh yeah baby you streaky oh very very streaky Come i used to be now. streaky too hot take kingdom it's time i have no clue how you're gonna feel about this but i'm excited this week's hot take kingdom is the Chiefs should trade for Cardinals wide receiver Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Welcome to the kingdom. So I planted this flag all the way back in July, tweeting, Marquise Brown is a free agent next year and Arizona is tanking. If KC wide receivers struggle as a group, could see Veach going after him. Tiny, but a field stretcher who's dynamic in space. McColl plus, and he could scheme some NC-17 plays for Hollywood. Car cards shouldn't let him walk for nada. He, uh, his contract is up. Maybe cheap. So let's get into the player. According to Reception Perception, one of my favorite sites about football on the entire internet, Brown has posted an 80% success rate against zone in all four seasons. And what I'm getting at is I think he's a different player than people envision when they think of Hollywood Brown. He was 11th in the league last year versus zone. People kind of typecast him as a, you know, Hollywood as a, would you say, limited downfield burner? And I do not think that's the case. He's more than his 4-3-40 time. He's a refined technical wideout who possesses a fairly full route tree, in my opinion. He can get horizontal, not just vertical. He can win in all quadrants. 
He excels at stuff like digs and slants. And our current field stretchers, Justin Watson and NVS, are much more limited. They do not have anything close to resembling a full tree. So for some reason, he has a reputation for drops, but his drop rate was actually 2.9% last year. That's very good, especially when he's a target earner. And I, I don't know what that is. I feel like if a guy drops a few passes, especially earlier in their career on national TV, that's just, you know, that's going to hang around with them for as long as they play in the National Football League. Dante, Dante uh, Johnson is never getting rid of that reputation, right? Uh, probably people are going to be saying that about Rasheed Rice four years from now and he's no longer dropping passes, but that is just how it goes. So Brown has had a top 15 target share despite being stuck on a bad offense with what I think is a replacement level quarterback. Now, if you look at Sky Moore, he was the stud flanker we wanted, but man, I'm already planning my postseason mustache. So for those of you who don't know, I have a bet with Sterling. I'm so confident in Reed and Mahomes, and I'm so not confident in MVS and Justin Watson that I thought they were going to throw Sky in the slot, give him Juju's role, and Juju almost had 1,000 yards last year, and he was going to possibly get there. Uh, and if I lose that bet, I have to grow a mustache, so I'm counting on that. In we, we know we have two bets that are looking pretty good for, for old boy over here. They are. When I made the other one, <laughs> I didn't have all the information when I made the other one, in fairness to me. I prepped so, you. You did. You did. We're talking about Charles Aminihu versus George Karloftis. I did not think it would be a six-game suspension. But anyway, back to Sky Moore. Uh, in 20 regular season games, he's posted eight donuts. That is not good. Sometimes he just completely disappears. The Chiefs reportedly liked Hollywood Brown coming out of college. We know they liked Zay Flowers, a very similar player, last year. And I think if they want to add the Zoom that's been missing since Tyreek left, nobody re uh, replaces Tyreek. But Hollywood Brown, in terms of dynamic speed receivers, is probably the next tier down. Uh, you know, he's not in that Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill uh, class, but he is one of the better guys that can stretch the field and do more than stretch the field. I wouldn't expect him to be like a press coverage killer or an upper tier alpha wide receiver one, but I think he can be a top 20, 25 wide out in this league, especially in an era where we see more small receivers thriving. I mean, just this year, Tutu Atwell, Zay Flowers, who I mentioned, Tank Dell is, is tiny. He's minuscule, but they're all popping. And then you look at the Cardinals. Why would they do this? Well, the Cardinals are trying to be competitive, but this is a rebuild for them. Make no mistake about it. They have cap room. I think they have like the third most cap room, so they could easily eat some of this deal. The Chiefs do have $5.5 in cap. I just checked that today. Maybe send a third their way and call it a day. That's where I'm at. I'm sick of the cardio club. I'm sick of watching Justin Watson and MVS doing aerobics routine out there. You know, they had something like 80 snaps between them and 11 yards, that just can't happen. So Sterling, you've heard my case for Hollywood Brown. Are you coming into the castle or staying outside its walls? Is Hollywood Brown just a healthy Kadarius Tony? I'm not trying to be a smart ass right now. Uh, obviously, Hollywood Brown has had way more success in the NFL than Tony. I completely get that. But as far as their skill sets, isn't that kind of what you're seeing here? Why would the Chiefs want to send a third round draft pick for a guy who, as you mentioned, is as inconsistent as he is. The Chiefs already have a plethora. He's, of he's not inconsistent. Eight zeros. 
eight no, zero. No, that's Sky. That's Sky Moore. That's okay. Sky Moore. That's Sky Moore. Have you how how closely have you followed? I mean, I, I play a lot of fantasy football. I watch a lot of football. Obviously, how often have you seen Hollywood Brown just absolutely disappear in games? He hasn't been disappearing this year. I've been he's on my team. I've been watching in Arizona him. four games. I'm talking his entire. This is his fifth year. This is his fifth year. Yeah, and he's been... How many times in five years have you seen him go out there and as you call Justin Watson and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling the aerobics club... Oh, come on, man. He's on a different planet than those guys. Agreed. He is much better than those two guys. My point is, he is very streaky. He is very streaky. And the Chiefs don't necessarily have a major issue beating zone. It's beating man coverage. Those zone stats are great. Those zone stats are great, Adam. Don't don't disagree. I ain't going to disagree with you there. But the Chiefs haven't had a issue beating. They have a problem beating anything right now, in my opinion. I I think Marquise Hollywood Brown is is not like Kadarius Tony at all because Kadarius Tony does not have a knack for the technical side of the wide receiver position. This kid does. Some of the inconsistency, we'd have to go back and look at it. But when you play for the Baltimore Ravens, especially in a Greg Roman offense, sometimes sure. they they completely abandon the pass. I'm not. And that's why he forced his way out. So he was, so, so, he was but, good but, last season. But he was best, really you, good last season. You want to give up a third round draft pick to then turn around and pay twenty plus million per year for him? I don't know that he's going to cost that. Seriously, but, have you? But, have you but, but, he's in the exact same situation where he is now as what Christian Kirk was when he was in Arizona. He's a better what, player than Christian Kirk. That's. That's I, why they went I with him. I don't know if that's, I would agree that's with That's why they traded for him and let Christian Kirk go. I mean, and they, if you think he's better than Christian Kirk, then why would he not get more money than Christian Kirk? He, mi- he might. but So my point is, I'm not paying debit and credit. I'm not paying a third rounder to go around and then now have to pay 20 plus million per year. Even if it's 15 million per year. Well, then, I, we, I, might not, then we might not win a Super Bowl because Veach has failed outside of Rasheed Rice, who I have hope for. I'm losing hope with the rest of the guys. I'm not overreacting. I, I, I know they looked good on paper. But with as bad as MVS has been, he's been one of the worst receivers in the league. He's got like an 8% target, targets per route run number, which is percentage-wise, which is baffling. He's just basically doing – he's giving you nothing out there. Sure. The only thing he did last game was draw a pass interference call. You can't – if Andy Reid is playing him over some of these guys, and I think Rasheed Rice is forcing Andy's hand to play a rookie more than he'd like to early in the season. I just think Andy feels like he has no choice, but he wouldn't be playing MVS and a journeyman like Justin Watson, who I think you got to give it to Justin Watson. He has carved out a role in this league. He's a hard worker. He's a smart guy. Uh, I think he's a valuable guy to have in that receiver room. He is not a starting caliber receiver for, for a championship level team. So I just feel like we have to do something Mike Evans isn't walking through that door. Uh, we want someone young. We want someone who could potentially stay with the team. And you might have to pay debit and credit if you cannot draft good receivers. I, I, dude, I'm just, I like Hollywood Brown. And if he still had a year or two left on his contract, then sign me the hell up. But what it comes down to, you got to take the big picture and not just overreact after four games, which I'm not saying you're doing. I'm just saying you have to take the full picture into account here. And in totality, I am not going to give up a third rounder for a guy on his last year of his rookie contract who you know is going to get paid at a minimum 15 plus million per year, probably looking at 20 million per year. I'm not doing it for a guy who has been as inconsistent in his career, who has the flaws of a Hollywood Brown. I like Hollywood Brown. 
Again, for this year only, sign me up. But it's not just for this year. That's a third-round draft pick. I get it. The Chiefs have struggled to draft wide receivers. But they've also hit on a lot of third-rounders and second-rounders as well. Okay? It's not just as simple as they can't draft wide receivers, so they should never do it again. It's the same reason why I said if you never, if you say every single Ohio State quarterback sucks, you're going to miss out on a good one. That's why I think the Panthers missed out on a good one. You're looking at C.J. Stroud right now. He's lighting the NFL up. He is. He's looking incredible. The best rookie quarterback right now. Him and Anthony Richardson. Bryce Young? No, he's not. The point still stands with wide receivers. You have to draft a wide receiver. You have to try and find a way to draft and develop and get that rookie contract. It is so hard when you're paying Mahomes what, he, what he's getting paid, when you're paying Chris Jones what he's getting paid. If you want to keep some of your offensive line together, Joe Tooney is going nowhere now that his offense, that his uh, contract has been, has been restructured. Jawan Taylor is there for at least three plus seasons, probably four, right? You have a lot of money spent on other positions. You have to try and find and hit on a rookie wide receiver. Paying Hollywood Brown that much money makes no sense to me. I would give him a call, man, because if you look what Elijah Moore went for this season, if you look at what Amari Cooper went for last season, the Cardinals who need as much draft capital as they can acquire, I think they are making a run at Caleb Williams no matter what they say. Any team that's in their predicament would be stupid not to. So they are faced with either letting Marquise Brown walk for nothing or trading him at the deadline, I think they would like some capital. Maybe, oh, maybe, 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 they'll, they'll, they'll maybe you swap a second for a third. Maybe you swap a second for a third. Maybe, maybe it costs less than what we think because we've seen some cheap wide receiver deals recently. Sure, but there's even a good chance that Arizona is going to try and re-sign Marquise Hollywood Brown for a while. I mean, if they're going to draft a quarterback early. You're seeing what's happening in Carolina. They keep saying they need a they need a wide receiver. Yeah, DJ Moore would look pretty good, huh? Might help out his quarterback. It's helped out Justin Fields at least a little bit. At least a little bit. I mean, right now, Carolina has Adam Thielen. They're complaining about they don't have wide receivers. If Arizona trades Hollywood Brown, again, I'm not saying Hollywood Brown's this incredible player, but the point remains they need at least someone who has NFL experience they're not just going to give up on him. Well, Michael Wilson is coming on. That's part of the equation. He looks like a future stud. I think he was in the draft. He came with an extreme discount. He's a wide receiver, I believe out of Stanford, who just never could stay healthy in college, but is a very good player. They have Rondell Moore. I think they have some guys. So I'm just looking around the league and thinking, guys, that their contract is about to run up. Who would these teams actually move? Michael Pittman isn't getting moved. Like I said, Mike Evans isn't getting moved. You go down the list and you just see very few options. And I think this might be the most realistic one who could come in, learn the system fast and make a difference. Not everyone's going to be on board, but I think it's something we should entertain. I do find it interesting. And Phantom, always appreciate you uh, commenting on here. says, look at all the contenders and they have a clear cut number one wide receiver. I get what you are saying, but the Chiefs won last year that a clear cut wide receiver won. Don't give me Juju was a clear-cut wide receiver one. He's not. He was a really good wide receiver two. He had 933 yards receiving last year. That's not a clear-cut wide receiver one. That's not Garrett Wilson. That's not it's a solid. It's a solid number two, which is something we don't have right now. Agreed. I agreed. But but the point remains, that's not a clear-cut wide receiver one. The Chiefs have proven they don't need a clear-cut wide receiver one. They don't need that. They need a guy that Mahomes can rely on um, that has that sort of 
brain trust between them that Travis Kelsey and him had. And obviously Juju did. Look at Juju right now in New England. He looks horrible. It's brutal. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think giving up a third and then turning around to pay a guy 15 to 20 plus million per year for a dude as inconsistent as Hollywood Brown makes any sense. It's keep, a very, you keep saying that, but I, I don't think it's true. I don't think he's inconsistent. I just think agree it's a very, correct. It's just a very difficult situation. The chiefs find themselves in. Okay. That's what it comes down to. When you have the salary cap era, when you're playing in that, you're not going to have the ability to pay everyone at every single position. And where I am coming from is Mahomes most of the time can elevate wide receivers. He can help make those guys better. He can't make the defense better. He can make the offensive line better to an extent. Look what we saw with Orlando Brown Jr. But he still needs help on the offensive line. So do you want to pay Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith? You know Joe Tooney's going to get paid because he's under contract with the restructure. And you know Juwan Taylor is as well. You still have to figure out what the hell is going to happen at left tackle. Those to me, you're going to have to be cheap somewhere. I, I, I would ur- you said the magic word cheap, and I would urge the Chiefs to be a little bit more aggressive with their accounting, to be a little more aggressive with their cash spending and their cap magic, and Clark Hunt to say, this is a once, I, I don't know, this may be a once in, in my father's generation, my daughter's generation, it's the entire history of the Hunt family for as long as we own this team. This is going to be the best window with the best talent we ever have at quarterback. We're never finding a guy like this. We are all in. We are going to maximize this. We're not going to hold back. It's a fun philosophical conversation. You, your point definitely has its merits. My big worry is that we might waste a few years if we don't hit on these receivers of Mahomes' prime. And, and if Travis Kelsey does start to age, this could be a, a little bit of a, a rough patch for our team. Yeah, I I will say I like the Chiefs running 12 personnel. Noah Gray looked really good alongside Travis Kelsey. Uh, Running the ball with Isaiah Pacheco was very effective. And not just running the ball with him, but some of those screen passes were very, very effective. Those little, I always rip on Herbert for those check downs to Austin Eckler. But because teams are always expecting Herbert to check down to Austin Eckler, you don't get many yards. When Mahomes does to Pacheco, you saw the open space there. It's a little bit different. You also get some of that because MVS is streaking. It opens up the field just a little bit, even if the actual numbers aren't going to show it. Okay, We're just going to have a little bit of a disagreement here. I think the Chiefs are trying to do something the right way. You're not going to be able to hit on every single position. I get we can always look back and say Clyde, then T. Higgins, George Pickens, Sky Moore. I get that. But how often do we sit back and McCall, look back? And, DK Metcalf. Dude, I get it. I'm not disagreeing to an extent, but the point is you every single team, the Bears drafted Trubisky. Right. So many teams passed up on Mahomes. So many teams passed up on Chris Jones. So many teams passed up on Travis Kelsey. I don't hear us complaining about those. You're not going to shoot 100%. Yeah, and you look at the Eagles. They drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. They drafted uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And then finally they got Devonta Smith and traded yes. for AJ Brown. They kept yes. on taking, they kept on taking shots. You mentioned the checkdowns for no yardage. And I'm laughing because last week, Alvin Kamara from our good friend, David Checkdown Carr had 13 receptions for 33 yards. One of the most. Thank you, PPR leagues, baby. I know, man. One of the most bizarre stat lines you will ever see. Let's move on. To our favorite game, the Kansas City stock market, pump or dump. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Fairy dust. Tell me the difference between stupid and illegal and I'll have my wife's brother arrested. <laughs>
We're going to start with Mahomes. He's on pace for 655 rushing yards. That's going to blow his previous high of 381 out of the freaking water. This is sustainable because it needs to be. Plus, he's improved here. Pump or dump? Dump. I don't like this, man. I do not like this. I know he has, but he should not have to. This offensive line is very talented, and he has a long time to throw. It's been the wide receivers getting open. I know it kind of is contradicted to what I've said earlier. I don't think Hollywood Brown's fixing this issue. That was the original question. Something needs to change, whether it's scheming guys open, whether it's taking what is there, because it does look like Mahomes is trying so hard to throw the ball downfield. Remember how he was doing that when he first started seeing those uh, the cover two, and we're sitting here going, this is taking some time for him to figure it out. And then he figured it out and started going, all right, I'll take what's given to me. Well, now he's almost been a little too aggressive. He talked about it in his presser. I think that was today or was that yesterday? Talking about in his presser how he was making some dumb throws. He wasn't taking what was given to him. I think he just needs to calm down a little bit and even hit those swing passes. I'd prefer to see Pacheco go for six than Mahomes try and rush for six. Okay, Pacheco can take that hit and pop right back up. Mahomes, please don't take that hit. As long as the swing pass isn't the CEH, I'm good with swing passes. Because, (laughs) man, that swing pass, the CEH, that guy had a terrible pursuit angle, and he caught CEH effortlessly, and then he brought him down like he was, you know, a mighty might football player. It was pretty pathetic. I'm sorry, Clyde, but it it just was. I think he's going to have to do this this year. I know he usually waits until playoff time to really go full throttle on the scrambling, but he's just so good at it. And I trust Patrick. I trust Patrick. If you look at pressure to sack rate, his is 3.6%. Now that's 5.1% better than the second best player and not taking sacks in the league, which right now, hilariously enough, is Baker Mayfield. And you think, well, Patrick must be getting rid of the ball fast. No. The only three players that get rid of the ball slower than him are Fields, Hurts, and Watson. And, and yet he's, he's the best at not taking sacks. So he invites the pressure and he doesn't get sacked. So I, I, trust, I trust him. I trust him back there. And he, sure, he's gotten a little banged up during his career, but he's, he's got a pretty resilient body. Normally, if he tweaks something, he doesn't even miss a game or, or he misses a game or two. So I'm not super worried about Patrick getting hurt. And I think this is the road to the Chiefs maybe buying themselves some time to develop those receivers. Who runs faster, Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Mahomes when he does his little run where, like, you know when you're someone's holding the door open for you and you're, you're a little too far out, so you do that little jog? Who runs faster, Mahomes doing that or Clyde? Mahomes doing that. <laughs> All right, Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney have not been playing at their usual all-pro level. This is simply a short-lived mini-slump. Pump or dump? I'm pumping. I'm pumping there. I So they've still been good. I don't want to pick on these guys too much, but I've watched every game twice. And then I went in and, and digged into like the PFF grades. And granted, they're not good for everything. I wouldn't look at them too much for, for quarterback, but for, for corner or offensive line or receiver, I think they do some great work. And they just haven't been top three dominant all pro players now, some of that, especially for Joe Tooney, you're playing next to next to a new player, right? And then the center is kind of like tofu. He kind of soaks up the flavor of the entire line. And with, when you're dealing with two new players, it's just difficult to have continuity and for them to come out of the gate rocking. Uh, but man, last week I saw Tooney, Humphrey, and Trey Smith get beat 
pretty fast in the same play. And I could not believe my eyes because I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. I think it's a mini slump, man. I, I'm not worried here at all. I think some of the penalties from Jawan Taylor. And then again, as you mentioned, uh, Donovan Smith, it started to take over the rest of the offensive line. You saw Joe Tooney, Trey Smith. Uh, Trey Smith's been struggling a little bit as well. He's been a little up and down. Um, then even Creed Humphrey. I mean, you're sitting here, and I think it's it's pretty common. When you see one guy do it, all of a sudden, it just trickles down. It's like in basketball. When one guy gets hot, the rim's as big as the ocean. When one guy's cold, you you go uh, and can't score anything. You're 0 for 12. It just happens. It's the, it's the way of the road. I, I'm okay with the Chiefs offensive line. They will figure it out, especially Joe to- Tooney and Creed Humphrey. So this is a mini slump. Yeah, it's a little contagious. And if you just travel back to last season at about this time, the line didn't look as good as it did by the end of the season when they held the Eagles to zero sacks in the playoffs, that vaunted line. Wiley and Orlando Brown were having some struggles They gelled, they put it together, they figured it out. I expect them to do that again this year. So Isaiah Pacheco is fourth league-wide in avoid rate, an area where he kind of struggled before. So I'm saying his elusiveness and and vision have improved quite a bit. Are you a pump or dump on that? I'll go slight pump because it's going to come with age, right? It's going to come with age where you you should get better vision. He's not Priest Holmes yet. but Yeah, but part of me is also thinking – could it have gotten worse? Like, I, it wasn't going to get worse last year. Like, he was young. He was inexperienced. He had a couple of times where he just, like, ran into the line because he was running so viciously. But he still runs very viciously. It seems like the most inefficient way to run, but somehow it doesn't matter. He runs so angry. It seems like he's exerting so much effort, but yet it works for him. I think some of that is helping his elusiveness because folks are just scared to tackle. It's like with Derrick Henry. You know, like with Derrick Henry, you're like – I was watching that that huge run he had that was vintage Derrick Henry because once he gets just anything going, cornerbacks are sitting here going, earmuffs gets, oh, fuck this. This guy's got 80 pounds on me. I got a family, man. Yeah, I got, he has 80 pounds. He has a, a full steam ahead. Look how he's running. Yeah, I'm just going to try and push him out of bounds. I think with Isaiah Pacheco, you see a little bit of that too. When he's running so viciously, so angrily, so just so angry, I think some cornerbacks are sitting here going, this guy's got 30, 40 pounds on me. Look at his legs. I'm going to take a freaking knee to the dome. I'm going to get my teeth busted in like a hockey player. Yeah, I might try and uh, uh, sit this one out. I think there is some of that going on too. I'm a light pump. I think J.J. Zacharyson said that Pacheco runs like Super Mario with the Invincibility Star. (laughs) That's just a a great way to say it. He reminds me of Marion Barber and Ahmad Bradshaw. Those are two players I really like because those guys ran like every time they got the ball was their last. And I admire the hell out of Pacheco. It's it's a lot of fun. I do worry that it's not built to last, though. And, and so this is important, him having better vision, being more elusive. And if you think back to Rutgers, he played on a terrible offense with a terrible line. So he never really got the chance to get the feel, oh, there's a hole. I'm going to be patient and slip through it at the perfect time. There were no holes. Mm. Oh, dude, shout out to Rory Fitzgerald. Good evening from Ireland. Really looking forward to a 9 p.m. start over here on Sunday versus the Vikings after seeing the Netflix QB series. Fingers crossed for a uh, for fourth and one. Uh, great comment on Pacheco Mario Star. Congrat, dude. Worldwide, baby. Chiefs fans roll deep, baby. European expansion. 
So George Karloftis is eighth in pressures, joining a list of superstars. The only guys ahead of him are like Aiden Hutchinson, Max Crosby, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons. I'm missing somebody, but you get the point. That Oh, TJ Watt. Those are the only guys that have more pressures than one George Karloftis so far. So remarkably, Karloftis has improved his athleticism and is now a budding star. Pump or dump? Pump. Ooh. Pump, 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 baby. You know, I'm not thinking he's going to ever be a, a TJ Watt. I don't think he's ever going to get like 16 plus sacks in a season. But this is who I think he was going to become when he was drafted. There was a reason why I was trying to just pound the table saying, draft George Karloftis. Folks saying that he had no upside, I kept saying this is asinine. He was 21 years old, a dude coming from Greece who hasn't played football that long. How can you tell me right now that guy does not have upside? He doesn't have the athletic body of a Miles Garrett or someone else, but dude, come on. You knew he was going to improve. He has an incredible motor. He's incredibly strong. Let him garner some pass rush moves and just let him loose. Dude, he looks good. I am all in on George Karloftis, as you saw from our bet earlier this year. Come on now, Adam. I've been consistent on this. Karloftis is a stud. I love that you said he doesn't look like Miles Garrett. Well, who does? Miles Garrett looks like he was genetically engineered in a lab to steal your wife. I mean, that's that's the that's the way that guy is is, is built. So uh, don't give me that look. Don't give me that look. I'm, you're getting that look, dude. I, I have no idea what's going on over in the best household, but uh, between you, come on now. Um, Karloftis, I totally lost my train of thought here. But it it makes sense when he hasn't played football that long and he has the kind of motor and work ethic that he has that actually he can improve his athleticism a little bit given his age. I mean, he's still, what, like 22 years old or something? He's relatively new to football. I think he, he probably has played – I don't know, seven years maybe of, of organized football, which is not a lot for somebody in the NFL. Uh, yeah, so I'm a light pump. I agree with you. I don't think he's ever going to ascend to the group of guys we just listed. But can he be a Trey Hendrickson? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think absolutely he can be that kind of player who, if he goes on the right run, he might have 15 sacks in a season or 14 sacks in a season. But what he's always going to give you is 10, consistent play. He's going to play the run well. He's not going to do dumb dumb stuff. He's going to be durable. So I think for late in the first round, you're looking at that pick and you're saying that was a home run. It's very similar to me as Tom Bahali. Very, very similar. Uh, Do want to give a shout out before we get out of here to Bumpa BB. says, time to lower sky snap count. He's not him. Thank you, Bumpa, for the super chat. Really do appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, so far, sky has not looked like him. Looks like the sky is the limit. It's it's, it's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a pretty low limit. I'm not totally out yet, but uh, I've got... I've got two feet. I've got my pinky toe still still on the Skymore bandwagon. I'm I'm holding a little bit of hope, but not much. Yeah. That does it for today's show, guys. Big props to the chat. As always, we appreciate you. Before you roll out, do us a huge favor by liking this video and subscribing to this channel. If you haven't already, what are you doing? We have tons of, of unique content over here on YouTube. We are trying to pump out even more. And if you're an audio listener on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a five-star rating that helps us more than you know. 
We will be back here next Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Central, right here on the Arrowhead Addict YouTube channel. Until then, go Chiefs. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.